Welcome to this episode of Consexual with News24 and Dr. Eve. In this series, we discuss all things sex to help you understand yourself and your partner better in order to have enjoyable lovemaking every round. I am Ntabin Klapo, and today I'm in conversation with Dr. Marlene Wasserman, better known as Dr. Eve. Dr. Eve is a clinical social worker specializing in family therapy and among her many qualifications, she holds a doctorate in human sexuality from the Institute of Advanced Human Studies in Human Sexuality in San Francisco in the US. In this episode, we discuss one of the most common problems couples face in relationships, a mismatched libido. This happens when one person has a higher sex drive than the other and tends to become very frustrating to one or both partners. Dr. Eve, let's start with perhaps the most basic of questions. Yeah. What is a sex drive, clinically speaking? So we didn't know a lot about what sex drive was. You know, there wasn't a lot of interest in human sexuality, historically speaking. And the most important research that taught us about sex drive was Masters and Johnson. I'm sure you've heard about Masters and Johnson in the 60s. And they had a laboratory and they got people in and they decided to measure from a physiological point of view what happens to men and women, because in those days we didn't have such gender diversity as we luckily have today. Mm -hmm. What happens to men and women from a physiological point of view? So they were measuring what's called sexual response cycle. Yes. people's libidos, people's sexual drives. Mm. And they found that men's were pretty simple, actually, in top. You know, yes. men have a lot of testosterone, a little bit of estrogen, and men are very easily interested in being sexual. So men have a desire based mm. on their testosterone, and that comes easily to them. They then, if there's opportunity, they become mm-hmm. quite easily aroused, which is evidenced by erection, and yes. build up to erection, to orgasm, which can happen in boom, 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 very quick <laughs> time, depending on the, on the age and the health of the man. <sighs> For women, they found that actually women are incredibly variable that they do not have the same straight line of, yeah, I'm really horny, Mm. I'm going to get lubricated and engorge, and then I'm going to have an orgasm. And they found that women libidos, women's interest in being sexual, was completely dependent on external variables. What are the external variables? Hormones. Now Mm. think about, you know, women, how we cycle every single day by according to hormonal influxes that we have all the time from the time of of puberty to adolescence Mm. when you start menstruating hormones are different which means libido is going to be different you're going to have pre pre pre-pregnancy you're going to have pregnancy maybe ivf influences you're going to be pregnant hormones are completely different your sexual hormones are different postpartum they're very Mm. different and then we have perimenopause menopause and then we're done Oh! (sighs) 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 So our libidos are based very much on hormonal changes which happen every single day. So immediately there is a discrepancy between men and women. Men have a testosterone level which stays pretty constant. At about age 45 it begins to change and begins to dip. Mm. Everything is obviously very dependent on lifestyle, on health and mm. nutrition and illness and being able to be protective around um, illnesses as you get older. 
So mm. we have to accept that there is a discrepancy between men and women and their libido. Yes. But what's interesting is that more than the hormonal influences of our bodies, what influences libido, especially for women, yes. is relationship factors. Oh, okay. What's happening in my relationship mm. is going to override any kind of hormonal influence. So if my relationship is feeling really good today, relationship with myself, my body, how I feel, relationship mm -hmm. with the other or others that I'm engaged with, I'm going to be horny. I'm going to be interested in being sexual. Mm -hmm. No matter how fabulous my hormones are today, if there are things that disturb me in my body, in my relationship, my libido is going to drop right down. Mm -hmm. So bottom line is we want to be focusing on relationship and intimacy health yes. rather than on just how do we get to be more sexual? That's how you get to be more sexual. <laughs> uh, Dr. Eve, there are couples who've had, let's say at the start of their relationship, their libidos were not necessarily matched, but they sort of uh -huh. got on well uh -huh. and had uh -huh. sex regularly. Uh -huh. Uh -huh. And then suddenly exactly, something happens right. and there's a huge mismatch. Exactly. exactly. What causes that? There are a lot and, of things that yeah. cause that, which is really interesting. I'm going to take it from a trauma perspective as well, because we have such a high incidence of personal trauma and collective yes. trauma in this country. It's important that we weave in a thread of what trauma does to, to people. And um, men and women are equally traumatized in childhood. Mm. Uh, women have a high incidence, obviously, of adult event traumas, as I mentioned, around rape and sexual violence. Mm. So what's interesting, um, when a traumatized person, and let's say it's a woman, gets into a relationship either with a man or a woman or a, a, any other gender person, they mm -hmm. Need, the instinct to attach is very strong yes. and therefore the ability to be sexual is very present. Mm -hmm. The moment that there is safety and stability in that relationship, that instinct to be sexual can't be sustained. Yes. The trauma kind of kicks in again mm -hmm. and then the interest to be sexual drops right down. Mm -hmm. And it's very disturbing for the other yes. because it's like, what happened? Here I am in a relationship with somebody who was interested in being sexual. We had a whole lot of fun in the beginning. And now where's it gone? Well, mm. this is just a reality of life. Yes. I was able to hold off the PTSD and the trauma symptoms, mm. but now this is who I am. And so mm. that's a huge factor as to why things begin to change. Mm. And as you know, generally as well, what people will say, you know, oh, I hear it all the time in my therapy room, I have so much stress. And the yes. biggest killer, I think you know what the biggest killer of libido is for women when they're married, is children. Yes. <laughs> we kind of need to get rid of children in our lives. Yes. Everyone is going to say, that's when things really changed for me. Mm. That's when I was distracted, I was fatigued, I was stressed, I found fault with the partner, and there was no way I was going to be interested in being sexual. And then if it is a male partner, he has got a constant desire still to be sexual. Yes. And it's very, very painful when that situation happens and couples don't talk about it and leave it as a pink elephant in the room. Mm. I think a lot of women understand what you're talking about. There's a lot of um, unpaid labor that women do 
you know, you wake up first in the household, you get everyone ready, you, no time to yourself. By the time you need to be having sex, you are exhausted. Absolutely. But unfortunately... Because it's just your language, by mm. the time you need to be having sex, it's like, there's <laughs> another duty. And that's exactly, exactly. how women feel. Mm. And they do mm. that because they're afraid or they're threatened that if you're not sexual with me, I'm going to go outside. Mm, right? Mm, yes. Well, I'm going to be withholding stuff from you. I'm going to be yes. punishing you with my silence. Yes. And, mm. and it brings fraughtness into that relationship. Mm. And I think it's something that uh, people need to talk about. And often, I mean, I think it might be the same in actually all relationships yeah. where the party who maybe wants to have sex but just doesn't have the time or the energy for it is feeling unheard and unseen. What do you do to, to make the person understand that this may not necessarily be about them? Maybe you still desire them, but there just isn't time or energy for it. I've just uh, noted the most important words that you've said, which is what we need. Mm. You know what those were? What were those? <laughs> I'm testing you. Um, unheard and unseen. Yes. Unheard and unseen. Mm. That's what... We all long for yes. that feeling of being, of being seen and of being heard, mm. which is going to be you know, the thing that shuts us down sexually as well. It's very difficult not to be seen and not to be heard. Mm -hmm. um, the other point that I do want to make is that people have a belief that there is a normal way of being sexual. Yes. The normal Absolutely. way of being sexual is I'm going to penetrate you, I'm going to put a penis into the vagina again. Forgive me for talking in a heterosexist way, but this is mm -hmm. more common. I'm going to penetrate you, and that's what needs to happen. In the meantime, if you were to check in with a person with a lower desire, you would find that they do want to be sexual, as you say, mm -hmm. but in a different kind of way. Yes. So I work a lot with my clients in teaching them different ways, instructing them, educating them mm -hmm. about different ways of getting what you really want being heard, being mm -hmm. seen, connecting, feeling intimate with each other yes. without having to have this penis-vagina story going on. Mm. And that you know, brings me into people who are differently abled, mm. people who are suffering with some kind of disease, Yes, um, women who have vaginas that are very painful. Mm. And this is a huge, huge factor that needs to be considered. 33% of women, one out of three women, have sexual pain. It's a big number. And they don't talk about it. Mm. They don't tell the partner and they don't tell the healthcare provider. Mm. And this is one of the biggest issues that we work with. Mm. For every woman that comes into my therapy room who will complain about a low desire, one of the first questions I'm going to ask her is, or say to her is, tell me about the sexual pain you're having. Mm. Tell me about the discomfort that you have with penetration. Yes. Tell me about the pain you're having with penetration and she'll kind of squirm and if the partner's mm. with her it's like mm, uh, well and then I know yes. you know, she's never told him, him. Mm. and that's what's really inhibiting her from being sexual mm. and she'll say oh, I'm not really interested so she may be wanting to be sexual yes. but there's the pain or else she'll endure the sexual pain the, mm. the penetration endure the pain and won't say anything but won't want it too frequently mm. so pain is a huge factor that women need to be talking about. Mm. No woman should be having pain with sexual activity.
Dr. Eve, that brings us to the question of comfort in -hmm. talking about this pain that you mentioned that women feel. Often women feel like if I mention this, um, it might look like something is wrong with me. So I'd better keep it to myself and bear the pain or maybe even fake an orgasm. Mm-hmm. Um, what do you say mm-hmm. um, is the best way to approach it? Because at the end of the day, you, you also deserve to be satisfied. As you were asking that question, I just felt myself taking such a deep breath. Like, oh, mm-hmm. This is so difficult, so important mm-hmm. and so difficult. Think about being in a situation mm-hmm. with something as vulnerable as being sexual. Yes. Think about what's going on in that relationship. Consider the incidence of GBV, gender-based violence in our country. Consider how unsafe so many women feel in their own homes. Mm. Consider the amount of trauma that women have had from childhood, whether it's sexual abuse or emotional, physical neglect or abuse that's happened or sexual violation they've had as adults. And what it takes to be in that bedroom and to feel safe enough to say to a partner, actually, this hurts, or actually, I need some lubricant. I need lubrication. Mm. Think about the risk Mm. that she is taking every Mm. time that she is being sexual. Think about what goes on for him because I have enormous compassion for men. Again, we're talking heterosexually, but it could Mm. be in any kind of denomination of genders together. Uh, For him, he has been taught that a woman's vagina is a certain way, that Mm. a woman's vagina is always going to be wet Mm. and a woman's vagina is always going to be ripe and ready. Now, If that vagina isn't wet, if that vagina isn't tight, if Mm. that vagina is too tight, he Mm. begins to believe the myths that he has heard, Mm. that maybe I'm not arousing her. What's wrong with her that she is not wet? Mm. Why is her vagina tight? What does that mean? Mm. I only like a tight vagina or her vagina is too loose. That means that she's been sleeping with other men and she's Mm. got too big a vagina. I don't trust her. Yes. These are the stories, the urban myths Mm. that cause enormous harm to relationships. Mm. So for a woman to be able to say, this is really uncomfortable. Can we use some liquid silk moisturizer in my vagina? Because it'll make it more comfortable and pleasurable for both of us. That's a huge thing to ask, right? Mm. Because how do people, I'm not going to ask you, but if you think about (laughs) how the average person being sexual how is the average couple being sexual the lights are off yes there's some clothing on Mm. there's no conversation that's happening it's all done silently yes it's at the end of the day or on a sunday morning Mm. waiting for kids to come in and so who's going to say something who's going to take the risk of being able to say "Mm, can you turn a little to the left or "Mm, you know that that's kind of a Mm. little less comfortable Mm. or even I really like that. Yes. Or can you do that more? Mm. Or I want more of that. Or this is what I would prefer. Mm. Who has the courage to say that? Mm. Mm. You know, I really like that you bring that up, you know, making the request Mm -hmm. and it being seen as a very neutral request. Um, And I think this is also something that people struggle with. You wait for the evening to start being sexual for the Mm. day or the morning, then you get sexual and it's two minutes or five minutes or however long. (laughs) 
chill <laughs> fun. I mean, those quickies are fun, right? They are, but, yeah. It, yeah, for, but you don't want them to be only yes. quickies. You don't want that mm. to be the only way that you're sexual with each yes. other, right? Yes. What about the intimacy, the foreplay, mm -hmm. and um, having sex in your mind first? before you actually get to the physical deed. Um, yeah. I want us to touch a little bit on the value of that oh, in yeah. helping the person who's struggling with a low libido um, get to that point okay. of wanting sex. So let's start out by saying that we don't call it foreplay because foreplay mm. means the big game is going to happen. Yes. And the big game is <laughs> the penetration. We're talking again heterosexually here, that the big game is when the ultimate game is when the man can penetrate the vagina mm -hmm. and he has his orgasm she normally doesn't mm. so we want to talk about sex play because yes. then it opens it up and it's vitally important let me go back into what the research shows us the science of it that mm. physiologically for a man to become orgasmic to become mm. interested aroused and orgasmic it can take him anything from three to five minutes mm. right for a woman to become orgasmic can I put you on the line and say, how long do you think it takes for a woman to become orgasmic? The entire day. There you go, right? That he is, the entire day, mm. a long time. So averagely yes. anything from 15 to 30 minutes under a good day, good mm. conditions, good hormones, good relationship, and mm. she's feeling good in her body. So you've got this huge discrepancy mm. between I can have an orgasm in three minutes and you need 20 minutes. What are we going to do? Mm. And this is important for men to know. Yes. That if you're expecting that you're going to penetrate a woman and she's going to have an orgasm in two or three minutes, it takes you to ejaculate. You know she's faking. This is not fair, <laughs> and she's not, and she's going. Her outcome is going to be well. I'm not really interested in being sexual. That's yes. going to be, and then you know he takes her to therapy and says something wrong with her. Mm -hmm. no, there's nothing wrong with her. There's just we need to be able to look at how to bring in some sex play over here. Yes. How do we bring in the sex play? And I'm always mm. going to come back to it is the intimacy in the relationship, mm. what's happening in that relationship every day. Mm. So it's very important to be for both people, and again in a heterosexist way, for a man to be able to delay and to stay in the place of orgasm before yes. he ejaculates. He can have a whole lot of fun playing with a woman and getting her to the place mm. of engorgement and arousal and getting her ripe enough to be able yes. to be orgasmic. I just want to just put in a sidebar here, if I may. Mm -hmm. Please do not expect vaginal orgasms to happen for women, that we can have the simultaneous orgasm, ah, yes. that we're going to come together. don't make that your goal yes <laughs> have separate experiences yes give it the time mm. i think that that also speaks to the fact that sexually two people are just most likely not going to be the same uh, but relationships do work um, if you work with each other mm -hmm. so i just need you to give us just a last word for those couples which will likely be most couples mm -hmm. who are just not on the same wavelength sexually um, just in terms of how they can make it work and still be pleasured and have enjoyable sex regardless. Mm -hmm. the most important, and I'm going to come back to what you said, is I see you, I hear you. Mm -hmm. I acknowledge that this is difficult for you. And this could be coming from the partner with the lower desire. Mm -hmm. You want to be able to see the pain that it causes in the person with the higher desire. Mm -hmm. You don't want to be defensive. You don't want to be dismissive. Yes. You don't want to make excuses because 
then he or she is going to feel, I'm not seen and I'm not heard. Yes. We can't fix what is, but we can have compassion and kindness and respect mm. and to be able to be present. I'm, I'm focusing a whole lot on a new mm. term, which I've recently only been able to understand in a very expanded way, mm. and that is gaslighting. Yes. Gaslighting. So gaslighting mm. isn't just about, you know, this bad man is narcissistic and he's going to make mm. me feel crazy, or this bad woman, forgive mm. me, who's going to do that. It's when I do not acknowledge that I hear and see your pain, mm. that we're both suffering, and I want you to know that I see your suffering. Mm. There you have it. Beyond the physical act of sex, there's also the emotional part, caring about your partner and hearing them. Thank you so much for tuning into this episode of Consexual with News24 and Dr. Eve. It was a pleasure having you with us. For more stories about relationships and wellness, go to news24.com. Mm -hmm.